Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Hey, Randy, what you doing? Oh, hey, Dave. I'm just making a list of things that make me feel really, really good. Wearing Bombas socks. Trust me, that's number one on my list. Bomba socks feel so good because we use the smartest design and best materials, making them the most comfortable socks ever. Plus, because socks are the number one most requested clothing item in homeless shelters, we donate a pair for every pair purchased, and that feels pretty good too. To shop Bombas or learn more about how your purchase supports those experiencing homelessness, go to bombas.com slash comfy and get 20% off your first purchase. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Finding a dream apartment on TikTok? Turns out it's possible. Ryan Murphy is responding to George Rivera's claims about broken promises. And we're talking about Jonah Hill's response to the paparazzi. It's March 10th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. So Casey, today Mm, I have to mm. talk about one thing that I know you are also excited about, and that it is the one-year anniversary of Cardi B releasing an Instagram video (laughs) of her saying coronavirus. This shit is getting real. Like it is the one year anniversary. Welcome to America, everybody. (laughs) I have to I and I re I rewatched it this morning and it absolutely is wild because you can see the fear in her eyes where she's like, I'm scared. And it ages so well. Everything she says is real. She's like, I know you guys don't think it's real, but it's gonna impact your your pockets. You know, this is why your your mail's gonna be late. Like all this stuff. Like profit Cardi B really knew. And honestly though it's it's really great though because i feel like a lot of celebrities at that time were like this isn't real and she's like it is yeah (laughs) and then we always have the imagine video that is also the one no don't no now we're done talking that's in a few days welcome (laughs) to content (laughs) okay so zach apparently real estate brokers are using tiktok to try and push rental units in cities and it's working for background rental prices are dropping amid a boom back to the suburbs Economists think the suburbs are popular again thanks to COVID, hence people buying houses and not renting apartments. And then this is where TikTok comes in. Brokers are using the app to showcase apartments that are now cheaper than they typically would be. Because of TikTok's comment feature, that creates a community around a certain listing. And it's been a huge success as some companies are now averaging 15 to 20 leases per month from TikTok. This, okay, I'm glad that this is actually working because... I look at TikTok for these. They are so enjoyable because in New York City, things are so expensive typically. And there's these amazing mm. pieces of content that show you these like deals that move so fast. Because I have friends that will send it to me and the place is gone by the end of the day. So it's such an inventive way to use the platform. No, it is. I love it. And you know what? I'm going to, this is once again, me being upset that I didn't have like a home ec class. And by home ec, I mean like a class on how to be an adult. Because I just <laughs> found out the other day that you can negotiate rent 
Yeah. Like, I didn't know. No, no one ever told me that. I oh. take people at face value when they say, this is how much it is a month. I'm like, okay, I can either do it or I can't. And my friend was like, yeah, you just ask if they'll go a couple hundred lower. And I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. And also for those listening, you can also leverage a lease right now to get money taken off by telling your landlord or whoever, hey, I will sign an extra year if you take X off because people are having a hard time renting in certain places. So in New York City, that is like the name of the game. Also, if your building has a part, is part of a big management system, you also can leverage your current rent to get a cheaper place somewhere else or whatever. So play a game. If you don't ASK, how do you expect a GET? You know, that's what my dad used to say. So oh, always Wow. Ask. I didn't even know I could ask, though. I need to take a Zach class. <laughs> and this segment is brought to you by Zillow. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not. But please, Zillow, come hang out with us. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ryan Murphy is responding to Naya Rivera's father over claims that Murphy broke promises to the family. One of those promises was that after Rivera's drowning accident in July was that he and the other creators of Glee, Brad Falchuk and Ian Brennan, would start a college fund for Rivera's son, Josie. Rivera's father, George, claimed that hasn't happened yet and tweeted out, quote, broken promises, fake outrage, hollow gestures, no phone call. Murphy has since responded, saying, Myself, Brad Falchuk, and Ian Brennan have committed to create a college fund for Naya Rivera's son, Josie, through the Naya Rivera Estate Trust. We have been in repeated conversations with the appropriate executors of her estate. You know what? I don't blame her father for saying that. You know, he's going through grief right now. And I'm sure also he thinks of, in a way, probably as Ryan Murphy as being a parental figure to Naya yeah. because, you know, he was her showrunner for many, many years. And so not seeing that promise fulfilled, I could see how that would hurt him. For sure. You know, I'm not an expert in the story, but this line of uh, appropriate executors of the estate reads as shady mm. to me at first reading because mm. why is the father not involved as an appropriate right. person to talk to if he was close? And it does appear that he is still close with his late daughter. Uh, so, you know, and he also didn't get a phone call. So how yeah. do you not call a parent during this time? Who did you call? And I think there's just a lot of questions and this money should have moved quicker. And when people are in grief and they respond like this, all you got to do is like hold them, hug them and be called in to do better. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. the family wanted more after all those big gestures because we saw them everywhere on TV talking about this. And, th and that's the least you could do. Just write the check. It's $100,000. Brian Murphy's got that from Netflix. We all saw. All right, moving on, we need to talk again about the British tabloids since they're having themselves a week. But this time, there's a twist. The Daily Mail posted photos of Jonah Hill surfing in Malibu in a wetsuit and while he was drying himself off with a towel. But what came next was rare, a response from Hill that has everyone talking about taking media narratives about one's body back. To talk about Jonah Hill's response to the tabloids, we're bringing on friend of the show and BuzzFeed news culture writer Elamine Abdul-Mahmoud. He wrote the piece, Why Jonah Hill's Response to His Paparazzi Photos is Radical. Hi, Elamine. Thanks so much for joining us today. Y'all, I love hanging out with you. Oh. It's like my favorite part of my week. It's great. We it's love great. hanging Stop. out with you too. Stop. Don't make us blush. <laughs> Gotta do it. Gotta do it. This is the nicest a man has been to me ever. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to represent men. Not really though, but like whatever. It's fine. It's fine. You are not, you are not a canceled man. So this is, well, I'm going to knock on wood on that one. Thanks. I have bad takes. It's going to happen one day. It's fine. Oh, well, oh my gosh. <laughs> So, Elamine, this story came about because Jonah Hill responded to a Daily Mail photo that shows him shirtless. What was that response and why was it honestly extremely radical? 
Well, okay. So the the backstory is that like the Daily Mail published these paparazzi photos of Jonah Hill just having a day, man. Like he was like out of the beach, he was surfing. He's I I don't think he's been surfing for that long, so it's just like something that he enjoys doing. And there was like a a, a random moment where he was changing out of his surfing shirt into another shirt, um, and the paparazzi like chose a photo, like displayed a photo of this. And like they did it in the way that we're all kind of familiar with, you know, um, on the Daily Mail, but also just like all these tabloids where like they go like, oh, this celebrity was like showing off their body. Meanwhile, they're just like taking out the garbage, like they're just like living their lives. But uh, Jonah had like this really strong response to it. Um, he said that like the fact that like this is happening and it can't bother me is like a reflection of how far he's come as a person. And I think like it's just like a really powerful response. And I think the reason that I said he was radical is that Jordan Hill is not a small dude. He's one of the larger men in Hollywood. He was introduced to Hollywood. Um, well, I guess his breakout role was a Seth and super bad. He was like this fat, funny guy. Um, and the fat, funny guy as a trope is not like, they don't get a lot of freedom in how they're represented. Like they're supposed to be like, shut up. Like your humor mostly comes from the fact that we look at your body and we laugh um, at your mannerisms. And they're supposed to just stick with that. And like, when I say that, like everyone has a comedian who pops into mind, like who popped into y'all's mind. Mine is Jack Black. Like Jack Black is a sort of my go-to example, but like you can go like John Candy, you know what I mean? Like you can go like, there's so many different picks that you can have, but like that trope, is not like it's not meant to evolve and like these guys never push back on how they're represented and so i really thought that jonah's response was really radical yeah and you know this trope of the funny fat guy is so old in hollywood it's been going on forever and ever but what are the expectations of people like jonah hill why is this so important that hollywood continues to keep him in that box and then why is it so radical then for him to push back on hollywood in this instance well, okay, so a couple of things going on there. I think the first one is that, like, I, do you guys ever watch Matt TV? Oh, yeah, that's been so, a while. Yeah, same, 100%. <laughs> but Matt TV had this, like, bit, I think he was, like, literally 20 years ago, where Will Sasso comes on and he's, like, trying to, like, explain the kind of bit he's about to do, like, the sketch he's about to do. And the people who are listening to him explain, like, this is part of the sketch, the people listening to him are like, look, man, like the material is funny, but you're not funny anymore because you just lost a bunch of weight. And like, there's this idea and it's kind of a persistent idea that there is a kind of comedian whose most of their power and their comedic ability comes from being a fat guy, comes from being a bigger dude who can like fall and make people laugh and like act exaggerated and look, that's where you get the humor. For someone like Jonah, A, it was never a role that he wanted. Like he was, he was great and super bad, but also I think he's someone who's from the get-go been like, I don't, I don't want this. I don't want this path. And the ways that people have been talking about his body from the jump have been so awful that like five years after Superbad, this guy goes to do Moneyball, one of my favorite movies, a movie that I've watched like 20 times this month. Yes, I'm aware that we're 10 days into the month. <laughs> and like he, he gets an Academy Award nomination for it. His next movie, Wolf of Wall Street, Martin Scorsese, another Academy Award nomination. You know, like, so Jonah Hill's career so far has been the story of trying to get people to shut the fuck up about his body and then being like, nah, but we're still going to comment about it. Like, we're still going to talk about the way that your body is because, like, that's how you were introduced to us. And so we feel like we have some kind of ownership over that. And it's been his frustration. And so to see him post this was kind of a way to, you know, condense all of that into one clear moment and say, I know what's been going on. I've been going to therapy. I've been dealing with this. And like, you can't hurt me anymore. And that's what was so powerful about it. 
I just want to like go back real quick to talking about the trope of the funny guy and that being fat equals being funny. And something that actually makes me think of it, I mean, there's tons and stuff in Hollywood that makes you think of it, but is when we talk about Thor in one of the Avengers movies, when he becomes fat. And that's what makes him funny. It's that he's fat. It's because he was a hot God and now he's fat. Yes. Now he's, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, you, if you watch that scene, um, the first scene where he's introduced as a sort of like drunk dude is like, oh, Thor's let himself go. Like that's sort of the joke. You would honestly really struggle to tell anyone where the humor is. And like, and I think about that a lot because like humor has to be deliberate and like there is nothing deliberate going on there aside from being like, look, this is his body now. Isn't that funny? And like the more they ask you to laugh at that joke, the worse it gets. And like, you know, and he just keeps enduring on the screen and it's like, it's not, no, there's, stop going to this well there's nothing funny about this um and they've never it's like they never thought about where the humor is they just assumed that it was there exactly okay well we've talked about tropes so when we come back we're going to talk about how the press are some of the biggest fat shamers out there Chief-It. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Have you ever felt depressed about work, only to have your dad be like, why are you so down? So you told him you hate your job, and he said, well, you better talk yourself out of it. And then you thought, hmm, I love to talk. I could host a podcast. And then you went to Spreaker from iHeart and started a podcast and got good at it, then monetized it, then quit your boring job, then told your dad, thanks for the advice. And he was like, well, that's not what I meant, and I don't understand what a podcast is, but you seem happy, so that's great, kiddo. You ever do that? Well, you could. At Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Ask your dad. You actually don't. Welcome back. We're talking with Elamine Abdul Mahmoud about Jonah Hill's response to the media about fat shaming. Why is asking about Jonah's weight something the press keeps circling back to constantly? You noted that after his Wolf of Wall Street role, he was asked about it by a journalist and he responded, quote, do you have any other questions that are smart? Oh my God, that clip is so painful to watch. You see pain in his eyes as he's like, I'm sitting here with my second Academy Award nomination. And you're asking me, what's it like? Are you still the funny fat guy in Hollywood? There is something so powerful about just watching his face because he doesn't address it aside from saying, do you have any questions that are smart? He doesn't respond forcefully to that question. He just like the life goes out of his face. And it's so like disheartening to watch. 
I think that is a part of what we in the media have to reckon with is that like we've talked so irresponsibly about these people's bodies for so long and like it has done real damage. Like one of the things that he posted in his Instagram post, he was in his thirties when he first took off his shirt, you know, at the pool in front of his family and friends. I wonder what that does to a person. I wonder what it does to a person to grow up like that and just like constantly have to police your own body because other people are going to do it for you anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, you also point out that after Zach Galifianakis lost weight, people said he simply wasn't funny anymore, which we touched on. So what is this double standard for funny actors and where does it come from? I mean, like, look, there is a lineage of actors who have done, an, I think, an incredible job of building a career off this joke. And like I referenced earlier, I, I referenced, you know, Jack Black. Chris Farley is another one of these people who have like intentionally made the comedy about their bodies. And it's funny and it's good. And it's like, it, and it's good because you get the sense that they're participating in it. But one of the dimensions of this is that like Chris Farley's brother talked to the New York Times in t- 2010 after Chris Farley died. And he said that like, actually Chris Farley was anxious about just losing a few pounds because he thought he would take his edge away. So I wonder what that does to your conception of like, they love me because I'm funny or no, they love me because I'm f- fat and therefore a funny fat guy and like you begin to like have a really hard time disassociating these things from one another and so you get to someone like zach galifianakis a big breakout role for him in the hangover as this like funny fat dude who's just like a little bit careless about his body and other people's bodies but like zach galifianakis is one of the funniest people of his comedic generation and so to see him evolve and like try to like try other things and have people go wait a minute, you're not what I expect of you anymore. I think we're telling on ourselves, you know what I mean? Like we're telling on ourselves when we say, oh no, the comedy has left the building because your body's changed. Like that like tells us that like, we're just not that evolved. Yeah. And I, I, you were so right on this. You know, this is with so many examples in Hollywood, this happens over and over and over again. But someone I have to talk to you about is Chris Pratt who I think kind of complicates it in a way, you know, beyond the fact that he's the most hated Chris on the internet. It's <laughs> <laughs> yes. like, we're seeing him, he got hot, quote unquote. I always thought he was hot, but now he's hotter and because he has abs, but he still seems to try to be funny. Do you think it's working? And what do you think his path is through all this? Well, I think, but his power has never been as like a funny fat guy to me. Like he's always just kind of been like, like the bumbly office idiot, you know, and he's worked really well for him in past roles. And he kind of still is the bumbling office idiot of the Avengers, you know, like, like he's a bumbling office idiot of like the Jurassic Park franchise. He just does this thing where it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do it this other way. And you go like, oh, Chris, that's different. But I do think the laughs that you get from him are different now, you know, in the sense that like, he's like funny and hot. And so like people don't like, it's like a little bit less punching down on that office idiot, just because like, I feel like people can't when he's staring at them or his abs are kind of staring at them. And so I, that's how I see his evolution. But like, he still plays a similar role. He just does it in like a different body. No, no, I agree. I agree. He's, he, he's still the same, same Chris. Yeah. yeah. Same, same, Chris. same energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, he'll note it that quote, it's not cool to be the joke. If you don't want to be, it fucks up your self-esteem in an interview with Justin Long recently. And that he spent a lot of time in therapy and focused on writing. So, you know, as we've been talking about this whole show, this response he gave is really radical, but it's something he's been thinking a lot about for a while. And he's now willing to share that with all of us. So do you think we'll see more actors who get deemed the funny fat guy respond in similar ways now that Jonah Hill is kind of being a possibility model for them right now? That's really my hope, you know, and I'm so interested in 
how he tackles that in his writing because I actually think like he's someone who his debut movie mid nineties, which I really loved. I thought it was like a really sensitive, sweet look at sort of like a mid nineties skateboarding hip hop scene kind of vibe. Like it really worked for me. And like, he's working on his second feature. And I wonder if he's going to mine these emotions at a certain point because he's lived with them. He's, he's sort of inhabited them for so long that I'm wondering that, if he will stop at just posting about it or if he'll like make art that has to do with this pain, because the more that there is in terms of just evolving the language, giving more of this lexicon to people, I think the better we'll all be. Give us what it felt like to live with this pain. Give us a better idea of what it was like to inhabit that body as you have people commenting about it. And I'm, I really wonder if he'll take that on. He just announced that he's doing his second film. I don't know what it's going to be. We're going to find out soonish. I hope it's about this. Like I hope that is something that he takes on, not just for me as a as an audience member, but for him as a part of the healing process. Yeah. You know, Elamine, we started the, at the top of this interview and it really struck me when you were just saying like how impressed you were with him. I'm so insanely proud of him. This is something that I don't care if people get sick of me saying it, but that the diet industry is $72 billion. And I know what it's like to struggle with weight just in my own home, going on a date, going out and hanging with friends, et cetera. I don't know what it's like to be in front of cameras like that, you know? And the fact that he can do that and he's taken the growth to do that, I am really hopeful that not only will it help other quote unquote funny fat guys in Hollywood, but then people who watch media will be able to be okay with their weight as well and to not want to be the butt of the joke. So I am, I'm really hopeful. I'm extremely proud of him for doing this. I Dude, say with your chest, like protect Jonah Hill at all costs. Like this is... <laughs> This is my way for 2021, 100%. And I just like was so grateful to see that. Was so grateful to see his vulnerability because I think when you get vulnerable like that, it changes other people. You know, it changes people's response to you and it allows, it opens up a new space where you go, like, okay, one, does this affect me? And then two, like, have I acted in a way that might have hurt somebody before? And like to see the responses that he got was so so lovely just like to see it from like other celebrities who themselves were like yeah i really struggled with this it was just kind of like a nice moment Hmm. well thank you so much for joining us today this has been great oh my god my pleasure literally anytime well that's it for today come back and join us tomorrow and remember you can in fact negotiate rent so please someone try that so that i can then go and do it Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. The new year is a great time to reset your relationship with your emotions. We all experience things that don't feel so good. Stuff like sadness, anxiety, burnout, and guilt. But in 2022, I want to help you look at these emotions in a new light. I'm Dr. Laurie Santos. In the new season of my podcast, The Happiness Lab, I'll show you that the path to happiness actually involves embracing your negative emotions and listening to the important things they have to say. So listen to The Happiness Lab in the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia. Kidding, and Asia. This is The Professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.